This is 15-Minute Fundamentals, where we interview core contributors within crypto and gain insights into their day-to-day -day operations. In this episode, I'm joined by Scoopy Truples, co-founder of Alchemix, an non-custodial lending and asset management protocol built on Ethereum. To cover the basics, lending protocols are smart contract-based marketplaces that allow for the permissionless lending and borrowing of assets globally. And asset management protocols, on the other hand, are smart contract-based investment funds, often referred to as vaults, that in a non-custodial manner invest users' assets according to predefined investment strategies, with the goal of generating better yields than what the user could access on their own. Alchemix combines the functionality of both a lending and an asset management protocol, giving their users access to liquidity, leverage, and the ability to trade the time value of crypto assets, all while gaining exposure to on-chain yield opportunities. To generate yield, asset management protocols typically pool user funds and deploy them into different decentralized exchange and lending pools according to a predefined open source investment strategy. The primary business model for an asset management protocol is to generate revenue by taking a cut of the yield earned on user capital. In this episode with Scoopy, we discuss what Alchemix is and how it works, the protocol's target customer profile, its current use cases, economic and business models, current growth drivers and challenges, the most exciting things coming up, the team behind the project, and more. Hey, Scoopy. Welcome to 15 Minute Fundamentals. It's great to have you on. Oh, likewise. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Today, we're going to walk through the fundamentals of Alchemix. But before we get into the details, can you give us a quick introduction to the protocol for anyone not yet familiar? Yeah, happy to do so, Ascari. So Alchemix is a uh, DeFi lending platform. You know, you can imagine something like MakerDAO or Aave or something like that. But it's with a twist. We do like to like kind asset lending. So USD collateral can borrow uh, a USD synthetic or ETH collateral can borrow an ETH synthetic. And one of the unique properties that this allows us to uh, have is that we can offer non-liquidatable self-repaying loans because the collateral that you deposit in there, we put to work in DeFi that earns yield. And then that yield pays off your debt over time. Awesome. Now, how would you describe the core problem that Alchemix solves? So in other words, what is your company purpose? So a lot of people in DeFi, they, they have to, to make a choice with uh, how they invest their cryptocurrency. They can either save it and put it into uh, some type of yielding vault, or they can spend it, right, by cashing some out and then, you know, you know, bring it into the real world for them. But Alchemix uh, solves this problem by allowing you to do both at the same time, because when you put your deposits in Alchemix, the entire principle is earning yield and you can borrow from that. So like in, in effect, you can spend and save at the same time. Then can you break down your product in a bit more detail? So a slightly more technical overview of how it works and all that? Yeah, sure thing. So I'll start with the core contract. Uh, we call these Alchemist contracts. Uh, we have one for AlUSD and we have one for AlETH and those are our uh, synthetic assets. So basically the way it works is is you deposit a collateral and for so far for on the AlUSD side, we have DAI, USDC, USDT, and FRAX as accepted collaterals. And on the either side, we have ETH as the accepted collateral, but then we have um, strategies that you can hook into. We call these adapters. And so basically what these adapters do is they, they handle taking your deposit and putting it into different DeFi protocols. For example, on the stablecoin side, we have integrations with Yearn Finance, Aave, and Vesper. And 
and there's going to be a few more coming as well. And then users can select which strategy they want to deposit into. And on the ETH side, we have Yearn, we have Vesper, we have Aave, and we also have integrated three different ETH2 liquid staking tokens, uh, being Wrapstaked ETH, RETH, and Frax ETH. And that works similarly. So what happens then is that the, the system will record what the value of your deposit was. So if you put 100,000 die in there, it would say that you have $100,000 of deposited collateral in Alchemix. And then you can borrow up to 50% of your LTV any given time. So what then happens behind the hood is these yield, like when we put it into like a yearn, for example, the system gets uh, the YV die token, which is the uh, liquid representation of that deposit in yearn. And inside of that contract, uh, there is a, uh, a view function called tokens to shares uh, and another one called shares to tokens. And that allows us to uh, track its value. It's like an internal price oracle. So one YV die token might be worth 1.05 die or something like that. And so what happens is the system will read this value. And when it is higher than it was at the previous uh, reading, it will then take all that extra yield that has accrued to those tokens, melt that down into regular DAI, and then use that to repay your LUSD debt. So that's kind of how it works on the back end. So if you had a loan uh, going through Alchemix and you you, bar you max borrowed, your deposit will always be worth what it was when you put it in, but then your, your debt will go down over time. And if there is a case where your debt gets completely repaid, then you will start earning LUSD credits that you can then mint at a later time but that won't count towards your debt. In the process where the, the die, like the yield gets like kind of melted down to die and then used to repay debt, it doesn't like immediately reduce the supply of LUSD on the market. Instead, the, that die gets sent to a different module, which is a, a peg stability module called the, the transmuter. And then the transmuter, basically somebody could deposit LUSD into the transmuter and then it works as sort of like a, a time-weighted automatic market maker, and it slowly swaps the LUSD for the die over time. And there's some different factors for how fast the flow rate is. Uh, some of it is some of the limitations that we put onto the system. So that way we can, you know, protect uh, users from having, you know, people front running them or overloading it and getting in, uh, jumping the queue and stuff like that. But the other is that we have, you know, it's limited through throughput by the amount of yield that gets harvested from the yield bearing assets. So that's one of our peg stability modules. And the other one is when there's um, overflows in the transmuters and they're not being used, they get sent to our algorithmic market operators, which is a, a concept that we borrowed from Frax Finance. And essentially the protocol itself becomes a liquidity provider on various you know, decentralized exchanges and then can earn and profit from the float. Got it. Now, would you say there's some similar mechanism in traditional finance that inspired your model of these self-repaying loans, or is this something that you uniquely introduced, enabled by the nature of DeFi? There's nothing like exactly the same. I think like the closest kind of analog to this would be something like an investment property and then taking out a um, home line of, uh, of credit. 
like equity from it, like a HELOC loan, and then using the rent or, you know, the rent paid by your tenants to, to pay off your debt from the uh, HELOC loan and stuff like that. That would probably be the, the closest analog to, to what Alchemix does in the TradFi world or any other such agreements, you know, where there's a yield earning or dividend earning asset that you can borrow against. Yeah, got it. Now, what are the most common use cases for Alchemix right now? Yes. So at the moment, we see that there's basically two kinds of use cases. There's the you know common ones, at least. Uh, there's the yield maximizers who go into Alchemix to earn yield, and then they borrow Al assets and then, then LP with them or do other things on DeFi with them to earn even more yield. So they earn yield on top of their yield, essentially. So that, that's one common use case that we have, and the sort of the DeFi native crowd does that. And then the other one that we see is people using it to cash out. We've heard stories of someone buying a boat, somebody paid for their graduate school education, somebody paid for the medical bills for their a newborn child, and lots of other similar uh, stories uh, where people are actually using it to finance things in real life. So this is actually a really interesting thing about ETH is because it's a volatile asset, but the debt is correlated to the collateral asset. You can use it to sort of do a cash out. So if you think that ETH is, is topping out, at the next end, uh, the next bull market, you know, the Ethereum Foundation just sent, you know, some some stuff to crack in or whatever, you know, and you're like, oh, time to get out. You can put your ETH in there into a, you know, liquid staking token uh, strategy and then borrow Al ETH, sell the Al ETH while ETH is still expensive. And then later on, after ETH dumps, come back rebuy that ETH at a much lower cost and then repay your debt at a discount from when you took it out. So that's also a really powerful use case. Yeah, that's super cool. Now, if we think about the broader DeFi lending and asset management market sectors, there are several protocols out there that do enable users to borrow against their assets, and then also several asset management protocols that enable users to earn yield on their deposits. Now, as you're kind of seamlessly combining these two use cases together, I'd be keen on hearing how you define your target customer. So who are you building Alchemix for? I think like in the DeFi users, there's two kind of segments. There's the power users or apes, you know, the people who kind of go in and they do stuff every day and trying to really, they're really hungry to earn yield and get after it and stuff like that. And, you know, I think some of them do use us and those are the ones who might try to use like the yield maximization strategies and stuff like that. But then we also have people who, who don't want to have all the stress of monitoring their health factors, who don't want to worry about liquidations, who don't want to have to if they're trying to do a self-repaying setup with a like kind like kind asset like setup but they would still have to go through and do all the transactions you know to pay off their debt and everything like that so i think that probably our biggest customer base at this point are people who just want to have a nice safe comfy place to do DeFi and not worry about all the extra risks Got it. And how are you thinking about economic sustainability for Alchemix as a business? Yeah. So in our current iteration of Alchemix, it was something that was designed in the bull market and thrived in the bull market. And then we entered a bear market and we've had to you know, adjust our strategies, adjust um, our thinking and stuff like that. One thing that's really helped us survive and now actually thrive during the bear market are the algorithmic market operators. They allow us to have a lot of fine grained control 
over you know protecting the prices of the assets we kind of prefer them to be a little bit under like the the asset that they're tracking but still pretty closely tracking it and the reason for that is is because it makes the transmuter a very attractive option for people because if you think about it if you buy an owl asset it's a debt token essentially almost like a bond per se and if you buy it at a discount then put in the transmuter you get it back one to one so if you put in a hundred owl usd you'll get a hundred die back over time and the maturity process doesn't take like exorbitantly long like it would in tradfi so i think that's a really kind of like powerful thing in that respect and the other way that like having a little bit of like a slightly devalued thing is it allows the AMOs to have a, uh, a higher TVL, which then essentially allows us to be sustainable because uh, they earn fees and farming income from the DEXs. And then that helps us be able to bring this product to market sustainably. Then onto financials, can you walk me through your current economic and business models so we understand how value flows through and to the protocol? Yeah, so uh, a lot of our focuses are on kind of supercharging our AMOs and making them more effective, but that also spills down to our users as well because they get you know high yields on their deposits. But basically one thing that we've done is we've targeted kind of liquidity directing DAO tokens. So think of something like CVX, CRV, Aura, Velo, tokens, things like that. And by accruing this voting power, we can then vote for the pools that house our liquidity. And since we are a major provider of liquidity on these various pools, it benefits us, but then it also benefits our end users as well. So we have like a base amount of liquidity that we can support just through, you know, voting and our influence in the different DAOs. But then in order to kind of scale it, we do vote market deposits. So something like Vodium or staked out vote markets. They're also referred to as bribes, but I don't really like that term so much. And then this gives incentive for other people in those DAOs to, to vote for our pools. And the reason why that's actually more economical than direct incentivization with our own token is that there's tends to be a bit of a multiplier on these vote markets. So if you put in $1, you might get $1.50 back in rewards for the pool and the other tokens and stuff like that. So we're taking advantage of this, you know, inefficiency and in tandem with our voting power to make it so that for basically every dollar that we put in, we actually capture more than that through the AMOs. And then when we couple that with the actual protocol revenue, which we take a 10% cut on all yield earned in the protocol and various investments and DeFi activities that the treasury does. Yeah, we're, we're actually able to have a very good revenue stream. And just in the month of April, we reached a major milestone where revenue exceeded the value of our missions. And then with the, uh, the revenue we get, one third of it is reinvested back into these liquidity driving assets. One third is melted into treasury assets, so stable coins and ETH typically. And then the other third is used to buy back ALCX. And then we use that ALCX that's bought back to then feed the next round of vote markets and stuff like that. 
vote market incentives. So it's becoming to the point where even though the protocol is emitting less and less ALCX, we're able to sustain and actually grow the amount that we can incentivize our pools. So we've got a good, you know, I wouldn't call it a flywheel just yet, but we've got a good, uh, you know, pattern going and it's working out well for us, even in the middle of a bear. You mentioned emissions there. So the ALCX token is used to incentivize activity. How about what other roles does your token currently have? So in its current form, it's a governance token, and it's also used by the protocol for incentivization for, for yield farming and, and different things like that. So we can get liquidity because one thing we need for the, the protocol to be useful is liquidity. If people can't trade the owl assets, uh, you know, at close to parity price, then it's not useful for that. But we are having a um, tokenomic upgrade that's in audit right now. It's almost done the audit. So it'll be uh, just a matter of a month or so before we can launch it, <laughs> maybe longer. <laughs> devs don't kill me. <laughs> but this would basically um, grant, it's like a modified voting escrow uh, token contract. And I've locked up a bunch of my CRV tokens into their voting escrow contract like a couple years back. And um, I had a lot of things like I noticed I didn't like about it. And I tried to address those things I didn't like uh, in the design of our own VALCX system. And, and when you're you know, a VALCX holder, then you can um, have an active hand in directing where the emissions go. We're also going to be opening up the idea of having like different partner protocols that can apply for gauges uh, to be listed with, you know, AL asset pairs, and then they can then vote to, you know, get ALCX emissions to those pairs and stuff like that. So bringing in other DAOs to collaborate with us and to align their interests with ours. And then also the VALCX holders will get a share of the protocol revenue, but in the form of boosted yield in uh, the Alchemics protocol. And what would you say are the biggest drivers or challenges related to your growth right now? I really think it's attention and, and coming up with smarter ways and more economical ways to scale the protocol. Like from a marketing side, it's just getting eyes and ears on the protocol. But from the protocol side, like Alchemix V2 has some limitations to it. Like I alluded to earlier, it works really well in a, a bull market, but then when yields collapse, it, it's, it's a bit harder to run the protocol. And that's really informed the design of our next iteration of the Alchemix protocol, which we really haven't like been that public about. And I'm not going to go into the details too much of it here because I do want to keep some surprises for the community for later and it's a bit early to say so right now but it's basically addressed a lot of the uh, weaknesses of Alchemix it makes it more powerful and it also allows it to scale up and down gracefully so it'll work really well in a bull market and it'll be able to contract and be sustainable in a bear market very elegantly and um, yeah big fan of our new design, but I'm not greenlit to, to talk about it so openly just yet. <laughs> Next, I'd be keen on hearing what the team building Alchemics looks like, both four team members and also what kind of role any possible community contributors play in all that. Alchemics is, we are eight strong on our core team. That includes four smart contract developers with uh, one of them being like a lead senior security expert and then one of them being a lead researcher. And then we have two other really good, you know, Solidity developers who work under them. We have a 
a two-man front-end team uh, with me contributing here and there. And then uh, we have a community manager and a COO and a couple of biz dev people as well. And some of us have, wear a couple of different hats and kind of go between roles and stuff. And then we have um, three different sub-like working groups, one that does governance, one that does biz dev, and one that does quarterly reports. Those are all funded using some ALCX from the treasury uh, that then goes into this really cool app that Yearn made. It's called Coordinate. Not Coordinate with a T, but Coordinate, like as in a monkey with a P at the end. And it's really cool. So you just get all the contributors in this instance. And then at the end of the month, they they vote on each other based on how much they contributed that month. And then it then distributes that, that monthly budget to all the different contributors that we have. And overall, I think we have around, like, I think it's seven or eight people in these uh, in these coordinates. And they're all very helpful, very useful, and really help us a lot. Like we can't do it without our community contributors. And this is open to anybody. Basically just get in the Discord, like show an interest in alchemics. You know, maybe do a couple things to show that you're serious and you're not just an opportunist. And then we will notice and somebody will grab you and throw you in a coordinate. Yeah, that's awesome. Community contributors can play such an important role. So glad to hear you're always looking out for uh, new people to contribute. Now, we've covered a lot of stuff and you also teased some upcoming launches, but what else is next for Alchemics? Is there anything exciting you can share about current developments and your roadmap? Well, one thing we just released last month that I, I do want to give a shout out is uh, self-repaying ENS. So uh, we had a Gitcoin hackathon and the winner was this person who uh, who made this uh, this app called yeah, Self-Repaying ENS. Basically, you uh, would have a deposit in the ETH Alchemist uh, contract. And then there's a feature inside the Alchemist where you can delegate your credit to another account. And so the way this works is you delegate to this keeper bot and then this keeper bot then can mint on your behalf. And then when it sees that your ENS is about to expire, it will mint some Al ETH, trade it for ETH and then use that ETH to renew your um, ENS subscription. Yeah, never lose your ENS again. <laughs> so there's that, I do, wanna, I do wanna plug that. Yeah, it's also kind of like a pilot to see if like people want subscription services on the blockchain. And then, you know, if it's really, really successful and there's a lot of adoption over time, then I think we can maybe put in the work to offer other um, subscriptions. You know, it would be really cool to have a self-repaying Netflix, right? <laughs> so on the actual roadmap side, we have our VALCX contract, which is a tokenomics upgrade. And, you know, if you want to, I can go in more detail, but I'm going to try to keep this short. Maybe I can uh, you know, talk to you about this later. So that's in audit. And yeah, we're expecting that out sometime within the next month or two. And then we have our next iteration, which is very far along the development process, has gone through one audit already, and we're iterating some now, and uh, we finalized the spec. Now we're you know putting in the rest of the work and doing the code and test suites and all that other fun stuff. And then it'll go into audit later this year, and hopefully we can launch that later this year. And beyond that, we also are deep in research on another top secret project that I cannot disclose might be integrated into Alchemics, might become its own product. We're not sure at this point, but it's very exciting stuff. And one thing on the immediate roadmap, and I, I'll spill the beans here, is that we're going to be uh, pushing out to um, Arbitrum as soon as we possibly can. Awesome. That sounds great. Looking forward to hearing more about everything once you're able to share. Thank you so much, Scoopy, for this overview of Alchemics. Hoping to do it again in a bit. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, man. My team is feeling good. We're motivated. And yeah, we're going to get after it.